Welcome to the Bullpen Session. This is Patrick, and glad you're here, glad you're listening, glad you're all right. Happy Thanksgiving this week, Thursday. Hope everybody's enjoying it. It's my favorite holiday, not only because I love all the food, but because I just love that we are thankful. And also the holiday is whoever is around the table with you, and you know, that's how you experience it, and you share gratitude, and it's so... So good. I'm feeling um, a lot of gratitude lately. I am just went to Oklahoma City University to see the college collab play, Deneen's play, Put Yourself Out There. And a student directed, Elise Bear directed it, and it was great. I mean, her work was excellent, and the students did really committed and developed their characters. And I, the program is a very busy production program, and they do a huge number of productions throughout the year, but one of the reasons they committed to the project is because they were invested in process and they wanted to give the students the experience of, you know, this is the process. We are developing a new play. You are the first production. There will be a second. There will be a third. And really talking to the head of the BA program, Jerome Stevenson, we had two great conversations while I was there. And, uh, you know, just one of the words that he shared about the experience is just, you know, appreciation, appreciation for process, appreciation for the opportunities it offers to students, and them bringing that spirit to it. And it was, it was really great, and it was good to see, and the plays, Janine's play is in, you know, solid, really good shape, and I think allowed her to see it clearly if she wants to do the, you know, whatever, where she wants to take it, you know, is, is, I think it allowed her to see so she could do the work for the next production, which is at Center College. And uh, before rehearsal start, obviously, she'll be in the room there a couple of days and get to work on it. Um, but really just grateful, and I'm grateful for process, grateful for, yeah, that was it. It was the word appreciation that came out, and it was talking to the students after the show and whatnot that really resonated with me. And along with appreciation, I am grateful this episode that we are talking to Maggie Bofiel, who is a friend and a great actor and writer, and you'll hear, I was talking to Maggie because she's been, she pretty much worked all of 2022 so far, and it was just so nice to see that consistency of work, and then I realized that that was starting in 2019, pre-pandemic, and for the most part continued through it, and you know, it was really it was great to talk to her just to hear like not only her journey as an actor, but like what shifted for her and what allowed that to happen and allowed her to open up for the possibility of work. And I think she really, it's interesting to hear her talk about the internal shift that allows that to happen. And I think that's another thing when I'm thinking about appreciation and Thanksgiving and gratitude, it's like, right, put your mindset into a place of being able to open it up for opportunities and be able to receive them. But I will let her talk about that, and uh, looking forward to sharing the conversation with you. So with that, play ball. I actually just booked a little something, but I'm not going to say anything because... Contracts haven't been signed. It's just a regional theater thing, but it's uh, I'm very excited about it because I like doing all these new plays. Yeah, well, yeah. right. What would, I mean, it's funny. You're like it's just a little regional theater thing, but that's been the that's been the year. It's, it's been like, a good year. I've loved been, it. What What was the play? What was all of me? 
That was at Barrington. Oh my God. I love this play so much. All of me is played by Laura Winters and it was directed by, uh, Ashley, Ashley, uh, Moore Brooke. And she's, uh, it's a, it's a love story between two people with disabilities. And not only are they in wheelchairs, which the actors are actors with disabilities, but the characters, not the actors, the characters have to use text to speech technology like the Stephen Hawkins. And it's the comedy in large part comes in because you don't ex <clears throat> you, you don't expect the voice like this to say, I like big butts and I cannot lie because you are hot. And you know, it's like, and the woman who uh, Madison Ferris, she's playing uh, the female lead and she's super saucy and funny and sexy and smart and you know you just never see people with disabilities being saucy and sexy saucy and sexy saucy and sexy exactly it's exactly true. and danny danny gomez who played um the male lead he also was uh he's just you know they didn't have to learn lines per se but they did have to do this whole ipad thing to be able to do the prompts so all their acting was was visual. Wow, it's pretty great. And every once in a while, she she could make sound, but she doesn't like the sound of her own voice because it's degenerated so so much. And how did you come to that project? I was lucky enough to be asked to do the workshop of it last year, and um, then. Thank God they they cast me in the production, the world premiere over at Barrington Stage. And was the workshop at Barrington also? No, no, the workshop it was Dorset, was right? No, the workshop was here in the city. Yeah. Yeah, they just did a they did a a, a ten day workshop. It wasn't even a twenty nine hour. It was a nice, robust ten day workshop. Oh, talk about that! Who who produced it? Was that Barrington? And they produced the 10 days down here knowing they were going to produce the play or just their invested interest in the play? Uh, I think they knew it was going to get a production. I'm pretty sure because she won a, a, um, is it a Susan Berman award. She won an award that was specifically geared towards giving new playwrights a chance to have a, a piece produced by Barrington. That's great. And then did you get to be part, you were part of the workshop from just auditioning? Or... I was actually asked to do it one of the few times in my life where they were just like, Maggie, would you like to do this? That <laughs> was an offer. I've heard of those. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I've heard that happens. So that's yeah, great. Yeah, not much to me. And, and when was the workshop? The workshop was last summer, last April. 2021. 2022. So this year, April. Oh, wait, I'm wrong. This year, April. This yes. year, April. Well, I'm, I'm, time, I'm, time warps and spans are. No, it's wait, huge. It yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yes. I, well, I asked because, you know, yeah, I was wondering a, how, how far in advance, but also knowing that you worked this whole year, you know, right before that, right? You were, weren't you at Santa Cruz? Yeah, yeah. This year, 2022, the order was I did a, a, a new piece by um, Jacobo Morales at George Street Playhouse. And he is a like he's a poet laureate in Puerto Rico, but he's never been done here in English. 
So uh, it was a, the first time being done here and Julio Mong had directed and I, it was a two-hander. It was a beautiful, gargantuan translation challenged piece um, about these two people that are almost dead, but not quite. And they're in limbo. And they're what? They are in limbo. Yes. They're in purgatory. And they can see the their bodies that have not yet died. And they fall in love. And <clears throat> we were able to communicate with the playwright in Puerto Rico. He's a much older gentleman. He's in his 80s. So incredibly just super sharp, super funny. So glad this was happening, but too afraid with COVID to come over. Even this year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was definitely 2022. So I did that. And then from that, I went to Santa Cruz Shakespeare. So did I do the workshop between those two or was that last year? I honestly, I'm like blanking, but I went to Santa Cruz Shakespeare where I did another world premiere. So that was a world premiere of this play. Well, the English world premiere. Yeah. At George Street. Then I went to Santa Cruz Shakespeare and was in definitely a world premiere of a, of a, of a beautiful, funny, modern interpretation of A Midsummer Night's Dream called The Formula, where they have this love potion that people who are not supposed to take it, take it, people, you know. Um, and that was by Kathy Chetkovich um, over at Santa Cruz. And then I also did The Tempest, uh, and which was done with a male Prospero. And with a, I mean, a female Prospero and a female uh, King Lorenzo, Queen Lorenzo. Um, what am I talking about? Alonzo. Alonzo. Alonzo, uh, who's normally King Alonzo. And where was the Tempest? Was that out there at Santa Cruz? Santa Cruz Shakespeare. Nice. Uh, in the Bay Area. My God. I'd never really been out to the Northwest for any period of time. It is stunning. Stunning. Absolutely yeah. stunning. Like you feel like you're in a movie. <laughs> yeah. And it just feels, and, and also I, being in the Northwest, the air feels better. Like oh I just my God. Well, you have it. all those gorgeous, those gorgeous redwoods. I, I, oh, that always been a dream of mine to see a redwood. I finally saw redwoods. I didn't quite make it to the huge sequoias up North a bit more, but those redwoods were amazing. That's like hiking and the forest and the bluffs. I mean, it was. I, I love that. I love getting out of, you know, that's one of the great things about getting out of the city or getting out of where you live to go work somewhere else. So you also get to experience just different landscapes and not, I mean, literally natural and, and just in a day-to-day -day rhythm different. It's incredible. Yeah. So I have to ask the simplest question, you know, what's, sure. how come, how why do you think your book and all this new work and does that feel, does the steadiness of work feel different to you? It's an outside perception. It's very funny because right before the pandemic, you were also at, weren't you at Long Wharf doing uh, Dollhouse? Oh, good memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, which was a big deal. I mean, it do, I don't know if that was a regional premiere, but it felt very close it, it, was it was one of the biggest things I got, and that was in 2019. Yeah, and then and then the pandemic hits, and everybody worries about what's going to happen. But you seem to, and we can talk about what you did during the pandemic, but it seems to have gone into steady work. And I'm wondering if you 
you know, besides longevity and being talented and being good and, and all of that, uh, what do you think? Do you think anything had changed in how you're approaching work or just is it a network of people being more aware? I think it's many different things. Um, I uh, made my mind up in 2019 to really just take risks and, and try to keep myself as open as possible for acting. So I went from teaching four classes to teaching one so that there was less commitment holding me down, um, you know. And also, I, I mean, tried, did my best to keep up the rhythm. But, you know, yeah, I've spent a lot of time not necessarily acting or doing really small stuff in the city that doesn't pay that much. So what does it look like when you say more risk? Are you telling, do you have, I'm assuming you have an agent. I have an agent. I have. I, I actually have fairly new agents, HCKR, which I signed up with in the spring. And, and is that telling them, hey, I want to do more of this? Or what is the risk? Well, actually, What's the risk what? part take? Because I do. The workshop was this year. It was this year. <laughs> <laughs> because my agents came on the tail end of that. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so when I say, when I say, uh, I left myself more open to to just take off. And I actually took the next step and I, well, it was due to work. I, I am not going to be teaching this semester either at Fordham. I was teaching acting at Fordham, but I'm, you know, choosing to do the professional stuff that's coming my way. So which is which is joyous for me, as is teaching. But what I'm saying is. I have you know, um, I don't have kids. I'm not married. I, you know, have a, 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 I can, I can do whatever comes my way because I'm just, it's just me, you know? So I think I finally got that through my head and was like, no, I need to keep myself as open as possible. And so making yourself more available to the work and, and, pursuing I whatever that looks like aggressively other avenue other things like you know when you all of a sudden you've gone to th three regionals in a row pre-pandemic yeah. there was one and uh, during the pandemic there was one also which I there was well I did I did so right so pre-pandemic I did Long Wharf and I also was doing um another show here in the city um uh just very small. And then I went to uh, St. Louis Rep. Um, and then after St. Louis Rep, the pandemic hit. And during the pandemic, I did a writing gig, which was also kind of a totally out of left field. I was the head writer for Dora the Explorer, the animation series, the reboot, while it was in development. And I'd never, they, they purposely wanted playwrights who had a kind of sensibility, but had never been in the business. Um, so I was also doing that. And I got a gig at Hartford doing the sound inside. Doing the now, silence inside. The sound inside, the, the play that Mary Louise Parker got the Tony for. The sound inside is beautiful Adam Rapp play, just beautiful. Another two-hander. 
Um, and that was my first segue back into theater. We did it remotely. We did it. We, 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 it was a hybrid. We did it in the theater, but they filmed it with no audience. And we rehearsed on Zoom in our hotel rooms until we'd gotten super cleared and had all our, you know, sections in the theater. So they brought you to Hartford to rehearse in Zoom? On Zoom. Yes, they brought me to Hartford. Hartford. We resumed uh, rehearsals on Zoom in our hotel room, in our apartment that they had for us, and then finally made it to the theater. I love it. I love that all this is happening. And it's interesting because I remember, and one of the, you know, it's interesting to say like, oh, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to be more available to work. Do you think that mindset creates more, did it create more opportunities to be auditioning for things or were you just, or did it just open you up to conversations to hear about opportunities? You know? Well, I mean, I was happy to get anything coming my way during the, during, you know, lockdown. But and, I, and I mean, overall, I mean, from like long wharf to, 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 to here to today, like just because it's interesting because when you said, Oh, I stopped teaching. I also think there was a point and you know, this is also you and I know each other. So there was a point when teaching was the goal. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Getting a steady income. Listen, money has been such a huge factor for me. Cause I'm not some trust fund kid. I'm not some, you know, um, so that, that absolutely. And then teaching in something that you love, like I, you know, cause I was teaching, um, in an acting program at a high school in the South Bronx with Lydia, with Lydia Ramirez, you know, who's genius at that stuff. And, and it was super fulfilling and it was pretty, it was, it was pretty flexible, but yes, you're exactly right. Teaching was the goal and then teaching less was the goal and then not teaching. But I have to tell you, my situation also was really helped by the fact that, you know, uh, I was engaged many years ago and we bought a house together before we got married and then we split up before we got married. And finally, after years and years of both of us owning the house and him living in it and me not living in it, but not making money off of it either, we, he, he bought me out right before December 28th, right before the pandemic. And he got a good deal. Josh, if you're listening, you got a good deal. But, uh, um, I was able to wipe out all my debt and that made a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you're back to having this freedom, right? Because that's what I think about. Like, you know, that's one of the reasons why when you're a younger starting out, you can, you're doing more early career stuff. You're open to more opportunities because you you have less expense. You have less, you hope. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so one of the things it's like, don't accrue debt, man. Keep your overhead as 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 you know as little as possible because that it it feeds on your energy. The energy you need to you know it takes a lot of energy to do what we do. Like it takes a lot of soul energy, and if your soul is being leached in this area, you think you compartmentalize, but it affects you. Right. You know, no, actually, and hearing you say like when even when you say, oh, I wanted to open myself, take a risk, open up to other possibilities. I do. I think like, right, if we're thinking about survival, we can't imagine that I can pick up and go to Santa Cruz. 
Right. Because like, well, well, then what? You know, I'm in Santa Cruz, you know, and, and how do I keep my life going? And, yeah. And with the freedom of like the responsibility of removal of debt and that that being able to breathe and take in possibilities is it's expensive. Um, Yeah. I look at, this is something I wasn't thinking about, but when you get, when you, because it looks like 2022 is full is, are you getting jobs from being out when you're at Santa Cruz, then the production happens at Barrington stage and you're part of it because you did the workshop. So you can, you know, you're open to getting work there. Are you also auditioning? Is is you are you also able to keep booking things without having to come home because of self tape or just because of relationships or yeah. Now more than ever, you're able to, uh, you can self tape and book stuff and not necessarily be in New York. However, I will say, you know, my, my agents and my manager have said, if you really want to, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to say, oh, I got to stay in New York if you really want to, you know, get a strong foundation in New York theater or in TV and film here, you have to be here for them to book from. Even though now people are booking from all over the place. So I still feel like there's, I think it's changed enormously. it, It feels as though it's a good thing to be in New York all the time, just because New York is so incredibly central. And having done a few regional things now, I'm also realizing artistically how central it is. So much of the stuff I hear happening in the regionals, I'm like, oh yeah, we did a reading of that at Labyrinth. Um, oh yeah, we did. I remember that, you know. So I've been present at a lot of pieces that are being done. Well, that's regional. right. I mean, that's. I mean, so that's so a funny. central part of being in New York as well, you know. Yeah, I try. I try to be as open as possible about the idea of that you can work anywhere and and finding your own community, and it doesn't have to be New York. One of the reasons I'm here, right, is because of it is a center for generating new work, and it is there's all that energy of people trying to create something, and it, yes, and then all of a sudden you see, you know, you look where somebody's doing a play in, in at a regional theater, and you're like, oh right, I was at that reading, you know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So many times. Um, But I do think it's easier now than ever to be other places. However, maybe especially when starting out, being in New York, I think, can be really critical. Being in, yeah, in a large bias. Right. We're both we're both here. But there's but I think the thing about being in that being in a community of where there's a lot happening, you know, people can do that in Chicago, Los Angeles, different. Absolutely. Places. It's all about, it's all but about. And, and one of the things you've done very successfully from my outside eye is build community. And, you know, obviously we're both members of Labyrinth and you are an original member of Labyrinth. Uh, and that community is supportive and also constantly engaged in work. And that's, what's great about that. I, um, a, I was going to ask, and it is engaged in work and it allows you to keep busy and it also allows you to expand your muscles. I am curious what you turn to writing at a certain point, And I'm wondering, you're also a playwright and I'm wondering okay. what that, 
what did playwriting do? It's interesting because I'm thinking like you got a couple of plays produced in my mind off Broadway, one at EST, one at Labyrinth and Cherry Lane, you know, and it's like, what did that do? And other plays in Tar, you know, right. right. I don't know if I want to say like, what was the impulse to write? Because you have success of getting produced, but I was, I want to go back and talk about that, but I want to really ask what is the empowerment of writing as I make a choice of what that may have done for you. But what do you think that did for you as an actor who's now primarily doing a lot of new work? I mean, you were always, I think our work in lab is a lot of new work, but you're doing these productions, but what did it, did it, did it do something for you as an actor? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I've done primarily new work in my life and I love it so much. And our experience with lab has been seminal for that seminal working with, you know, um, not, you know, working with, not that I've been in, in one of Steven's plays out forthright, but working in a company where things are moving so fast or not so fast. And then suddenly so fast that you're getting new pages, very last minute, constantly throwing things together, like at the intensive, the whole mindset of, of being open to you know, playing that kind of hardball with new pieces, being fluid, being, you know, easy to work with, not, you know, it's like the improv spirit, you know, Um, and it's so exciting. It's so exciting. It's exciting to be in the DNA of something that's being born. You know how it is. You see a reading of something and then you see a production and you're like, I saw that. (laughs) I was the, I support it. It's almost like you birthed it. Like you're one of the many mothers or fathers this piece has had. So the logical step of then creating your new work. I mean, it felt, it felt very organic. It felt right to start writing. And I started writing at the women's writing group that lab started many, many years ago because it was such a freaking boys club. We were like, no, we need just the women in a room writing. Um, and I say that with love. I say that with, with all the love in the world. Um, and then also they're the ones because we started writing groups where we would meet once a week. You know, um, lab was kind of seminal to my well, I also think the women's writing has helped as a writer. It helped as an actor immensely. Like, you know, whenever, like, for instance, when we had the translation that was a bit of a challenge, we everybody in the room spoke Spanish, and we um, got permission from the playwright to like address the translation. Um, <laughs> the other actor I was working with was like, "All right, all right, I'm sick of hearing you." how you have experience in this. Cause I just was just so grateful that I had so much experience working with new pieces. It's like, you don't get, you don't get into a, you don't get into a panic. Yeah, no, that's and true. You don't go into a panic. You, you know, there's emergency mode, but the point is to get that story told as best possible. Like everything's on a time continuum and you know, it's hard when there's this much time, which is very little. My fingers are very small, <laughs> very small space between my fingers. Um, but it's sort of like an extreme sports athlete. You don't balk at the challenge. You get jazzed by it. You're like, okay, we can do this. We can do this. Yeah. So it's the attitude and the joy of trying 
and letting go just as easily, like that helped me immensely as a writer too. It's like, you know what? Ain't nothing precious because I'm the source. The source is still here. So I love that the source makes it you the source being present makes it not precious. Because it's like we're still making it, we're still creating it. It can exactly. change. Exactly. I mean, I don't think all writers are like that, but the writers that I love working with are. No, oh, well, I yeah, well, I liked hearing that because I think the second, you know, what's the second something becomes precious, then it's like it's too delicate to actually work with. You know, it's yeah. like camp. And I also love that you were doing the translation work at um, that's the George Street production I'm gathering. Uh, the George Street production of of um, Bypass. Yeah. Sort of a, a Spanish version of bypass, like a cardiac, like a cardiac bypass surgery. So, yeah, it sounds uh, sounds great, and the and the process sounds great. I also want to tap into the women's writing group at Lab because yeah. were you writing before that room, before that group got together? Um, I remember seeing this is so ridiculous because I know you, Maggie. Like I remember seeing the beautiful open project of the funeral. Um, Nicholas. Yeah. yeah. And so was that oh, pre? That was so many years ago. It was beautiful. And, uh, and Raul, uh, Raul did that. Raul Castillo, who I just saw at the New York Theater Workshop. And and also has been on the pod. So, you know, oh, great yay. conversation. Um, oh, but I remember that. And was that, and the, to me, that was my first awareness of your writing. And I'm curious if you were in the writers group before or after that, or did like what sparked it? And well, I love no, I love the empowerment of it that the group started, and 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 that there's writing about you know that that it got you to write. Obviously, you're a very good writer, and I'm thinking about you know then am I right that Dina Janice also at Dorset put together years later another yes. writers group, and I think you know it's funny about the women's writers group or the, you know when the farm started with the college collab, the commitment was producing female playwrights because they weren't being produced. And now of course the conversation's changing to BIPOC playwrights and right. production. And and I Although think I hope females are still in that and especially females over a certain age. And I think fine, but I think that's one specific thing is like somebody who like finding a group again where it's like, oh, this is where I feel comfortable. I feel supported. I feel heard. And, and going there. And I think it's great that like, obviously lab did it early on, started writing. And then that started a couple of summers ago, right? The Dorset one. The Dorset one started, they started it about three or four years ago. I came a year later, um, recommended by someone, but, but uh, Lillian Slugaki was actually still around when we started the women's writing group. So that was definitely early early on she was the first playwright labyrinth ever did a full production of rough house um back in 94. it was very empowering it was great to have a room full of women where you not that it's hard to be in a room with men and women it just we were in a very male dominated kind of company leadership wise sort of a reflection of the country and um yeah it was super important and we would meet once a week and we would give each other assignments and you know i had been a comparative literature major before that and i went from undergrad classes to grad courses while i was still doing my undergrad because i just sort of tore through things and it turned into literary criticism and 
I had, I used to love reading, love writing. And when we got to literary criticism in this incredibly, like the third best comparative literature department in the country, Indiana University, it just got so incredibly all about what people were saying about the book instead of the book. And it was so, it was so much about theory. I grew to hate writing. Right. I grew to hate it. And that sounds awful, but I was like, where's my beautiful authors? Where's my books? Why are we doing this? You're so it was, I know that sounds kind of weird, but I, it made me, I had a really hard time. I mean, I, I graduated with, you know, I, I, I did well, but I was like, I was turned off. Well, it makes sense to me, actually, because it took the, yeah, for you, not not for everybody, but for you, it took the joy yeah. out of the experience and, you know, loving the writing yeah. and loving the reading is like, give me the story yeah. and then come to acting and theater where you get to like, not only you get to actively create as a collaborator the story, but you actually get to live it as opposed yeah. to analyze it. And just let your mind be free, like, you know, poetry, uh, 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 weird plays, you know, Music. I, I sort of lost track of music along the way too. Another thing that I, I'm constantly trying to find my way back to, but yeah. Nice. I with the writing that having how did you, and I saw. I'm curious. I know you're a member of Lab from the beginning. And you're also a member of EST, right? Oh my God! Yeah, that's one of the, like the questions you were asking. What What can you tell people coming to New York? I'm always like, find your tribe, man. Find your tribe. Uh, I was so lucky to get into Lab Labyrinth, to have like-minded artists, you know, with similar values. Because not all artists have the same values either. You know? No, that's why there's. I mean, yeah, there were Latino that were, and I, I am convinced that it, it lasts to this day because the basis was so strongly Latino united, and then sort of like Misfit United. Anybody who didn't have anywhere else to go could come to our house. You know, like we were that house on the block, on the artistic block. Lab was like, you can be with us, come on. <laughs> um, that's how it always feels to me. And I have EST, Intar, you know, although for a long time there I was administrative um, because the artistic director, it took him like nine years before he was like, oh, came to see something. He was like, Maggie, Max Ferrak. I love Max Ferrak. He was like, oh, Maggie, you act. You're an actress. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> I'm glad you just now realized that after I worked in the offices for several years on and off. I had EST in, and, and then came EST, Ensemble Studio Theater. And the only reason I joined them was because Florencia Lozano said, this play is really good. You need to submit it to their one act marathon. And I'm like, what's the one act marathon? And it got in. Which play? Uh, face cream. Face cream. Yeah. All right. It's funny. I saw that there. And then, and then you became, a. they invited you to be, you know, I know what lab is to be a member. And we, I feel like I've talked about that before. What does it do to be, does EST invite in members? EST is going to be operating differently from here on in. It's going to be a different process to uh, initiate members. But the way they used to do it was you had to have letters of recommendation from people who are already members if you wanted to be a member. And then you could either cho you could choose which track you wanted to be in. 
you could choose if you wanted to be in as an actor, a designer, or a, a writer. Uh, or a designer, maybe designer director went in together, but like you, so you got people to, you know, uh, promote vouch you, for you, to vouch for you, and then you went in and either had an interview or an audition. And so you, I actually, saw, I got in as a writer. Yeah, I was going to say because you got that play in, and then they produced winners. The other they play did, in 2015. And yeah, it's amazing. I was thinking because it was funny. I was thinking like you've been work in my outside eye of like working steadily as an actor from 2019 on. It seems I know it's from the outside inside. You're like I could work more, you know. <laughs> but always it, TV and film. Where yeah. are you? Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. No, no, no. But yeah, yeah. But I'm a shitty advocate for myself, writing wise. Like I do the pl the play goes up and then it dies, and then I'm like moving on. I'm so it's almost like I have, I, I don't know, but I don't, I don't. There have been a couple people. God bless Brian Long, who was my manager for this amount of time. Again, the space between my fingers is small. Uh, you know, trying to promote my plays. Um, because I've never been published. I've had five productions in New York City, which a lot of people their whole life they don't have that but i have been a very bad promoter of my pieces i'm just like always moving on to the next thing and i think it's the actor mentality um right i gotta go get another job i gotta go do another thing yes, as opposed I, to yes. I mean that's actually one of the things i was thinking about the writing is empowering when we were talking about the acting but also one thing that i like about writing is you have a product you know yeah, which you have to take it out of the drawer and show around to people if you don't want it to just die. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't. They, they they still are alive, and they had very good. All of the, all five of them had good productions, uh, but it is interesting. And you had a. I'm going to jump to the thing about the second life. You got the like it was interesting. Devil of Choice Lab produced a play of yours, and then it got, uh... and then it got done. And you got you were in it then, right? In California? Yeah, first time ever. I've always I've always written stuff that I thought I would be in. Mostly, mostly I've always, and uh, but I was too scared. I was felt like the I felt like the person writing the symphony that needed to stand back and listen rather than play any of the instruments, you know. Um, but yes, Devil of Choice, God bless Lab, when it had its re its poverty stricken, soul rich reincarnation um did devil of choice in new york and then it was produced uh, along with drawn and quartered i had two plays being produced at the edinburgh festival the following year and i was in for the first time ever in a play that i wrote along with two other lab members with justin ryan silver and with paolo pizzi nice lovely yeah and yeah how, how did it feel to be in the play you wrote wild because I kept seeing Florencia do it because Florencia had been in it so it was very difficult for me to uh extract her voice from what I was doing and uh and we had to change it too we had to cut it down it was an hour and a half play that we had to cut down to 45 minutes for the festival because of the festival requirements which was yeah. insane because of our venue requirement um it was joyous and rewarding and maybe from here on in if i write a play with myself for myself i will 
jump in and be myself in it from the get-go so I don't have to be fighting somebody else's stamp on it. And it's funny because they're they're finding the first time doing it, she's finding your voice as the right the actor trying to do the writer. And then you're like, well, now I got to bring it back to my voice because yeah, yeah, it's gotta be. And she, and she was, she was fabulous in it. You know, she was amazing as she is in everything. Um, so it was, uh, but it was really exciting. It was really exciting. And then, you know, you see all these filmmakers that that's normal for them. They write the script, they are in it, they direct it, they do everything often. And you're like, yeah, yeah. That, not not to say that, not that there's not something to be said for sitting back and, and, and listening to the piece be done. Absolutely. Like I happily did that with everything up until that point when I was finally like, okay, I should step into this before I'm like walking around with a cane. So <laughs> let me do that. Well, I think it's good for you to get the, also to get the experience. I think it was nice to hear the idea of needing to hear the symphony, but also, uh, you know, there's a little bit of first, you need a little confidence as the writer. You need more experience yeah. as the writer to know that the writing's okay. Yeah, this is true. This you is know, true. Have you, know, you, well, you, you also performed in your piece that you wrote. Yeah, I wrote, but my writing, not a play, but the, but the solo show I did. Yeah. It felt like a play to me. Had a it was, I, I will defend that it is acting because I do it the same every time and, or engage in it emotionally the same every time. That yeah. I've done, I've done two of those. But the plays, I haven't even directed one of the plays I've written because I'm like, wow, I think I would now. And I usually say that I, as somebody who develops a lot of new plays, I think the writer shouldn't direct their own work. I think a director brings a lot to it. I think they get under, they want to serve the playwright, but they also are able to enlarge it because they're not held to what they're, you know, they're hopefully everybody, all the collaborators are growing it. And I think that's good. And I think I am in my past been very vulnerable and exposed as a writer and feel like it takes me about 10 days in a rehearsal process of a play of mine that's getting done before I'm like able to realize the work other people are doing. (laughs) Well, that makes sense. And so, but now I'm a little more, a little more confident in it, but I would definitely direct a play I've written that's had one production. I would do the second production. Right. I would definitely do that because of the confidence part of it. Like you were saying, when you stepped in, I, you know, I don't want to be battling somebody else's direction, but I think I would. Right. But I know that I'm thinking about it when I'm writing it now, which is also different. I used to just, was just trying to write. And now I'm also aware of the theatricality of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really a good point, actually. Yeah. I think it takes a special writer to be able to direct their pieces well. Yeah. And it, but both of us, you know, I was asking about the empowerment a long time ago. And part of me is because, like, when you start to write, there's something about creating your own work and seeing it up that you can, I think that ownership of product that you make allows you to think of yourself as an actor as ownership also like there's like oh i did i my voice is vital and i'm strong you know and there's a strength that comes from can creating your own work that's important i completely agree it also makes you realize 
you know, I've had so many incredible actors when I when I did have my plays produced. There were so many beautiful actors auditioning and, you know, choosing the ones you do end up choosing. There's a whole lot more you didn't choose. And and it's not because they weren't beautiful actors with so much to offer. It's because factors like who combined best together, you know, who is who is it? amongst these who are going to serve the play best as a unit and it made me also much take things much less personally as an actor having the experience of casting for the plays i'd written being on the other side you know it's like i take it a lot less personally you know yes i have something that i can you know it it definitely affirms my feeling like i have something vital to offer but i also know that you know, Charlie has something vital to offer and, you know, Fulana has something vital to offer it. And, and it's about so much more than, uh, it's not about, do you have talent? Do you not have talent? It's like, is it, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, the, chem it's the chemistry of everything. Chemistry is a timing. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I worked with Pam Berlin, who directed Winners, and she had this practice that I so respect and wish everybody did. Every single person, every single actor that makes it to callbacks, she will email them to tell them whether they got it or not and to thank them. Yeah, I think because that's honestly, beautiful. Every person that gets to callbacks could do that role. I'm sorry, but I'm convinced. If you're going to weed them out, every single person there could do it. Yeah. You know, and that's a great thing to realize, like you're you're it, it's yeah, it's not skill. It's not this. It's chemist, chemical and chemistry and this Absolutely. project and that person and all of that. And yeah. I like that she does that. I think uh, I try to do that. It's funny. I watched somebody who I assisted years ago write write a handwritten note to an actor after a callback when they didn't get it. Uh, about how great they were and I, I was thinking like at the time I remember being like oh that's so generous I want to do that I don't, I don't do that as right well most people don't I mean it's not always possible either but I just really respect her practice she just makes it a practice it really no it's really great yeah. I do and has records of of actors and she's she's just really you know so respects actors so you know, and it's not that it's not about skill. Obviously, there's skill, but it's it just it's not a judgment of your skill if you don't get cast. Well, That's yeah, it's skill and it's skill and it's chemistry and it's luck. And I, you know, exactly. I, chemistry. when you say that the thing about like anybody who gets to that phase is good enough to get the job because it wouldn't so. be in that phase, you know, and I think it's, you know, I say that a lot to people and it's like it's it could have, you know, when I interview for the farm playwright it's like anybody who's gotten to the interview process could get it you know yeah. it's really it's really what's the right event for this moment at this time with these schools you know yeah. that we're partnering with i you said you got a new agent during the workshop after the workshop how how'd you get the, how'd you get the agent god bless pat mccorkle recommended me to the cat to the agency yeah, well, she recommended a few agents that she thought would be a good fit for me. Pat McCorkle, the casting director. Yeah, well, that's she, I so appreciated her doing that. She cast me in um, St. Louis Rep, 
and uh and i've known pat for a long time and she also did the casting for the est shows that i had produced as a writer um and when she recommended you did she did she reach out to the agents themselves yeah. that's great that's real help she did she did um and but look how long it took me to do that like i'm sort of going in reverse i mean i'm you know i'm not 30 and um <laughs> And uh, it's taken me a long time to not feel that I deserve whatever I get, but know that I definitely can, I, I am, am, am worthy of meriting whatever jobs I get, especially with the amount of work I put in. Like I put in a lot of work but i've not always advocated for myself in a way that i should have or just advocated for my own desire not to, not for me as a person but as like my own what do you want yeah. what do i what what am i not what i should want not what i might be capable of like i have been not self-loving enough to have that perceived as selfishness perhaps but self-loving enough to be like Oh my God, I want to do that. I really want to do that. I want to do that. Like I've been doing what I love to do, which is quality work with quality people. Right. But then there's a quality level of like, I want to work in this place where I'm supported by an institution where I'm making enough money to earn a living and all those other things. Yeah. How did you advocate for yourself with Pat McCorkle? Did you let them know like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking. God bless her. I finally, I mean, because I've also very rarely asked people for anything. And I just said, Pat, I, I think I'd be better up. I think I need, I need an agent. She's like, yes, you do. <laughs> I was like, okay, do you know anybody? She goes, yep. She goes, let me give you a little list. So she did. I mean, she immediately was like, yes, you do. You know, and I am working with my manager. I am working with the manager, Jamie Baker. Um, and we'd been working together for a, a little while. I'd known him for years and years. But, you know, in New York, sometimes it takes a bit more of a team. You know, people that have a bit more pull. Right. You know? They're doing different things for you and, and working together. Yeah. I mean, like Jamie says, the more the merrier. The more you can pull in, the better. And so I just really embraced that. I embraced the possibility that I could just be working all the time if I had enough auditions and continue to work my ass off and take care of myself, my brain, my soul, my body, my, you know, um, I, um, who is it? Uh, the Martha Graham used to put up a banner everywhere she went that said discipline is freedom. And I believe that heart and soul. With that discipline, what do you do to take care of yourself, Maggie? Work out, watch when I eat. It's pretty cliche, but stay also just in tune with my body, have my body and my spirit be at one, not have the separation between the two, you know, just be present in my body. Because um, I'll forget sometimes I'll be like, like I haven't gone to the gym in two weeks since I got back. I've just been trying to reassemble my life um but i don't like not stretching every day not saying hello arms hello muscles how are you let's let's move today let's 
you know, a good relationship with your body so that when pains do come up, you can be loving towards them. So when you do get off the rails, you can lovingly bring yourself back in. Like loving yourself has been the biggest change for me. Yeah. Literally saying, I love you, Maggie. And me being like, oh my God, why are you being such a weirdo? Why are you saying, I'm like, no, you know what? I love you, Maggie. I just, I love all, you know, when you fuck things up, when you're a big fat pig, when you're a liar, when you're like nasty person to yourself, when you are great and go do what you say you're going to do, when you don't lie, like unconditional love for me. Oh my God, my heart's pounding right now, but that's, uh, that is not a place I have been coming from for very long relatively speaking. No, and I think that's great to hear because not not that you haven't been, but that you are, because I think when you say, oh, I'm going to take a risk at the beginning of the conversation, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to go for work. That's tied to also, I am worthy and Absolutely. I'm good enough. And I can be working all the time if I create the opportunities. And I think it's good for people because there's, you know, it's a hard it's a hard fucking field. Oh my God. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. And so, you know, you can easily think like, Oh, I didn't get that one thing. So I'm, you know, why bother or what, or it's so hard. Why not? But it's like, as you said, you put together a team of more people working with you, but also yes. being more available to more opportunities. And if I get more, if I got more auditions, I'll get more work. Probably true. Right. Just. Yeah, absolutely. It's a numbers. It's a numbers, numbers. game. But that whole mindset also branches out to like, you know, finding your tribe, finding your your nation, finding your group of people with whom you click um, so that you can consistently because half the reason I'm now doing better in the game is because I'm still with the game. Yeah, that's like, the biggest thing I've been hearing lately is just it's about perseverance. Like you persevere, keep perseverance is a beautiful word. Perseverance, but perseverance that also you have to be able to get back. You have to have love you have to be receiving some love and be having good times with this perseverance which is part of why you need to have a group of people with whom you can always be working when you're not working so that you can be working yeah actually that's a good point like your tribe and your community is so that you can always be working when you're not working because i think one of the things to that that community is like maybe you'll build something maybe you'll build a project maybe you'll produce a play you've written but what you will do is keep you artistically strong and alive and engaged. Absolutely. 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 And, and, you know, like how many people can I pick up the phone right now and say, you know what? I haven't written in so long. I, I, I want to write three scenes and will you meet me at the Starbucks at the end of the week and tell me if any of them have something like I could, I've never done it before, but I could call you and be like, Patrick, Patrick, yeah, yeah, we're on the podcast. Okay. I didn't want to be like, you You can do that to me anytime you want, Maggie. <laughs> no, but you know, that, that my community is strong and that makes me stronger. And it's important to, to, to find that. I think, I think I can't, I can't do it alone. I can be alone when I know I have it at, when it's an option. I love being alone when I know it's an option. Right. It's got to be a choice. It's got to be a choice, not a the only option. Um, 
I feel like we had fun. You, you said so many great things. I was going to ask just, um, you know, besides find your tribe, which I think is, do you have any other advice? Do you have advice you would give? And I think that is great advice. And talking about why was really important and self, I want to say self-care, self-respect is really important. But anything else that struck you? Um, I'm so good at giving out advice. I don't necessarily do, but I have been. That's doing. that's why it's so great. We get to say these things that, that are really useful that I wish I would do more often. I'm actually hearing right. you talk about casting a wider net and building a team. And I'm like, right, Patrick, build a team. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, look. I wish I'd thought about buying a place when I first got here. My parents had no no savviness on that. Like if you're gonna, you know, if you have any means whatsoever, try to buy a place where you just rent a couple rooms and you own it. So right off the bat, um, just because financially I wasn't so smart, but not getting into debt is huge. It's really hard sometimes because you're trying to do the actor's life and not making enough and costs overhead exceeds income, but it's uh i think it's key to just trying to stay free well you know uh, what i'm going to talk about that a little bit i don't mean to be unartistic but that's you just are artistic fact. because what you're talking about is really good it's about uh, i i did the same thing right and we just talked about longevity and you and i've been doing this for 30 years right minimum but let's say 30 collabs 30 right we've been doing it about 30 years and if i knew when i was 22 that I was going to be doing it at 30 years later, I might not have thought about not investing in an apartment or like you said, not owning something because there's a spirit of deprivation because you're like trying to make something happen right now and forgetting that it's a long game. So I think the advice is artistic because what you're talking about is make sure there's security underneath you. Yeah, and not in a way that keeps you from having experiences of acting, but in a mindset that's uh, strongly, you might be in a poverty situation, but it doesn't mean you have to have a poverty mentality. Right. Don't have, don't, don't, don't act in deprivation. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Deprivation is a great word. Um, yeah. So. I think it's great advice. And I mean, you can keep people building on it, but I just wanted to say like, yeah, because I just had a conversation. I, I think I shared about it on another episode with an artistic director that is about longevity and it's about yeah. sustain, sustaining and staying in, in it. And, and I think one of the things when I think about this conversations that I want to have, it's about not how to build a career because it's going to happen tomorrow. Right. Right. It's about how to do it so that you can have a life. Exactly. Yes. And, and, you know, everybody knows you never just audition for the job. You are always auditioning for your career, no matter what state of your career you're at, you are always auditioning for your career, you know, and, and it, I'm not saying you can't enjoy whatever monies you have or putting stuff on the credit card because enjoyment is a part of life, but it's just a bigger, I didn't mean to be financial. So I didn't mean to make the financial stuff such a huge part of it but i do feel money and freedom are intrinsically connected they really um, are yeah and time you know it's very time consuming being poor it's very time consuming i have spent many years that way 
um very rich in 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 connections though not connect not well, friends in professional connections artist friends uh um so always uh i believe at the beginning it's very important to have yes be the word you say more than anything quite honestly so that you are open to experiences you're open to seeing new venues you're open to new kinds of theater new kinds of of, of you know taking classes is a great way to create a community um i only took one class at the barrow group but i would have stuck around there if i hadn't had the if i hadn't had lab and i hadn't had the other places because that seemed really cool um uh what else would i say um take advantage of what's available here and be really present when you are in front of it don't not go to a show just because you have to go alone if you can have you have the opportunity to go see a show that an amazing director is directed or somebody you really love is in it be your own date go see that show go see that performance you know don't feel like oh i'm so lonely i'm a loser i'm going by myself it's you and your art and their art Love that last thing. It was so great. You know, I go to a lot of theater and uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes going alone. And it's true. It's a date with you and your art and their art. And that was such a lovely sentiment. I loved all of it. Uh, great to talk to Maggie. Also great to talk about financial security and that it's a long, one of the things we both talked about is that we're, you're going to be doing this for a long time and build a foundation and approach it in a way that securely allows you to pursue the art and, you know, not necessarily live the life of deprivation that, you know, sometimes going from task to, you know, job to job to job to job allow, you know, creates and really building and thinking about the long haul and what's going to give you the freedom to pursue it. And I just love that she was thoughtful about that. And I know it's happening for her. And that's one of the things that opened it up for her. So it was good to hear that as well as, you know, everything else of, finding your tribe and your community. And I did like go to see the art and, you know, date with your art and their art. And uh, just thinking about that, I, I have a class that I'm doing with Sewanee and Rhodes and Center College taking students that are up here, non one theater student, but the rest are non. They're up here in New York doing internships in their chosen fields and going to see plays. And my one rule for them is, hey, you don't have to like the play. You know, we're going to plays because I think they're important institutions, they're important writers, there's something artistically valuable about it. And it was interesting, back to back, we we saw the play that excited them the most, and then the next week saw the play that excited them the least. And it was just a great conversation with them to be like, look, you wouldn't know that that play, the play that excited them the most, they never would have chosen. And, you know, you can't not go because... I mean, you think, you know, I think it's great to go, just build the habit of going, like going to a museum. You don't know what painting's going to speak to you. You don't know what sculpture's going to stand out to you. And I think go to the theater and remain open because if you read the description, you might not go to a certain play, but they can't stop talking about it. And, uh, you know, if you read the description and the cast list of another play, you might think, oh, that's going to be great. And then it might not be, but 
one experience. I'm also grateful. I'm grateful for the school to allow me, schools, plural, to allow me to facilitate that class because taking them to eight plays not only gives them eight different experiences and a variety of styles of theater and institutions and whatnot, but you know, allows them to be able to see what does resonate and what style speaks to them. And, you know, as opposed to like, I know I like musicals because I've seen musicals and, or I did them in high school or my high school did them and I saw them there, you know, and it's been very rewarding. So not only take your date yourself on a date with your art to see other people's art, but to go to different art, check it out because you may discover something surprises you and that you have a new romance with it and uh, you know it's nice and we don't know what the experience is going to be so just remaining open and as thanksgiving is approaching remaining grateful and i am thankful to everyone who listens and with that we're out <laughs> <laughs>